Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast and somehow we've made it to show number 150 and um, that's 150 times about two and a half hours on average a week uh, regardless of whether it's one show or two shows. Uh, that's a lot of content. I hope you're still enjoying it. I hope you're still there. I hope there's nobody that's still going back to the beginning. <laughs> that, that would be a long haul at this point. Uh, sadly, uh, not, not with it that we are uh, making a big fuss about hitting 150, but sadly, uh, Rach can't be with us. I think she's in Poland, isn't she, Graham? That was my guess. <laughs> I think as I said last night, I might be wrong. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. I, I tell you what. So, how are you doing, Graham? How are you? How are I, you? I'm. I'm doing very well, thank you, Wade. I am, given what you just said, a slightly concerned that we are actively contributing to uh, the um, EU podcast mountain, which you know that's a problem. But um, oh, I look yeah, forward I to mean, receiving my EU subsidies then. <laughs> oh yeah, good point. I mean, I, I feel like we're at least 149 shows further in than we should be. Uh, but um, yeah. Yeah, 150 bloody shows. Well, you know, it's um, we will keep we will keep producing them until somebody asks us to stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, uh, until a certain number asks us to stop, because uh, if you say just one person, I think this might be the last show. Okay, well, one person maybe as long as it's not Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Jeremy. <laughs> anyway, um, you of course have organised a super special guest for us for this week, um, and you've given me some confusion because I now have to deal with the rest of the show with two co-hosts with the same name. No, no, we don't have the same name. No, my name is <laughs> spelled correctly. Graham's is spelled incorrectly. So, uh, so yeah. not only with the same name, but we, but but you have bad jokes associated with having the same name as well. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, it's oh dear, a oh double dear. Graham show. Everybody has always wanted. It, it, did you know what <laughs> they've wanted that almost as much as much as they've wanted the camera bag show, <laughs> <laughs> which we still haven't I, done, and we've got to double Graham's before we got to the camera bag show. Why don't Why don't you introduce for us properly uh, and respectfully, as he well deserves, uh, guest Graham? Uh, I will do my very best. Yeah, it's really nice, actually. A show 150. So it's like, well, I I'm going to a little bit of a treat for me. I mean, actually, all the guests I get are a treat for me because they're always people I want to talk to. But I've been listening to the Homemade Camera podcast since it came out. Um, and whilst I don't always get through everything because they talk a lot of very technical stuff, it's always a great podcast and always really inspires me. And I've wanted to get on this show for a long time. Mr. Graham Young. So it's a delight to be able to welcome him finally to the show. Uh, hello, Graham. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's an absolute uh, delight to have you here. Yeah, thank you. It's very kind words. I've been um, uh, a devout listener of uh, to, to you uh, since, I don't know, uh, since about episode 80 when I discovered it. And uh, quickly emailed Nick and said, hey, Nick, we have a new podcast. So uh, <laughs> quickly and then Nick and said, look, if they can do it, any idiots can do it. That's that's right. Yeah. And I said, you know, we're definitely idiots along the same same level. Uh, and so, yeah, we started ours. That's um, just simply because, you know, it was one of those things, you know, like if Gutterman can do it. <laughs> we can do it. So yeah, if government can do it, then um, poorly shaved monkeys in the Amazon rainforest can probably do it if you give them access to the Anchor app. Um, and, and some bourbon. Yes. So whilst you have been podcasting for quite a long time now, 
the two podcasts that you have are actually um, quite specific to people's interests. So it's quite likely right. that a lot of our listeners might not have listened to your shows because, you know, that they are not aimed at everybody. They're aimed at two quite specific audiences. The first right. one. Um, as I mentioned, is the Homemade Camera podcast, which is you know relatively self-explanatory. And you've got a new one, uh, which is, I can't never remember the title. What's the new one called? Yeah, it's it's Get Started with Film Photography podcast, the GSW FPP. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I found out it, it, it had those initials, I, I just, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm playing that up as much as I can. But yeah, um, uh, the I've uh, Nick and I uh, started doing homemade camera based on we had, you know, uh, probably I think about the same way I understand you guys met, uh, you know, in the forums. Uh, we were uh, on Flickr and specifically he made a comment about something in the film photography podcast Flickr group. And I said, what's that? And. Um, you know, it's one of those situations where um, I, you know, I, I would email him and he would email back and then I would say, oh, well, he's not going to answer this one. And I would email him. Oh, yeah. No, he'd email me back to the point where it's like kind of a little bit creepy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I recall uh, those days. Yeah, I recall those days. Definitely. Right, right. I kept, I kept thinking that one of them was going to end up in, you know, the emoji thumbs up and that's it. That's the end. But um, at the time, I was um, trying to build some pinhole cameras and pinhole cameras out of wood. And I was, you know, like using the Zero 2000 as inspiration. I don't think the undos had come up yet, although they may have. And um, so I, I was just um, just kind of, uh, you know, playing around with that and... Um, and, and fighting the fact that I was using, you know, half inch or uh, half inch maple when I should be using, you know, eighth inch maple or something like that. So I got these incredibly huge, heavy cameras and they just were nothing like what I wanted. And, and so Nick would come along and say, oh, well, this is what you need to do. And, you know, like I, I post these pictures of the things that I had and he would say, this is what you need to do. And, um, so I, I, we started, I started, I don't know. Um, I, I started making these franking cameras, which are half one camera, half another camera, usually a lens off one camera jammed onto another body. And, um, when I was doing that, I was, you know, having trouble figuring out, um, focusing mechanisms and stuff like that. And Nick would come along and say, no, what you need to do is this. And it would like, he would hijack them. Uh, he would hijack my builds and I would do exactly what he did. And, uh, or exactly what he told me to. And I go, oh, well, this isn't so bad. And um, after a while, I, uh, I was just kind of, you know, I, I love podcasts and I just was kind of thinking we should do one. And I had that in my head about a month. And I sent a message off to Nick, and he, I said, you want to do a, a, a homemade camera podcast? Oh, well, we didn't have the name yet. A podcast about building cameras. And, um, you know, it was like seconds later. Yes, okay. And he had an outline of like 12 shows. <laughs> hey, that's good. That's a good start. And, I like that. Right, right exactly. So it was like, first of all. unbelievable as well. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and you know, and we did exactly what you did. Um, you know, we did a first show that was horrible, and then went back and and backed it up, and so we did a zero show, and um, you know, that was our little manifesto show. Um, and and so we kind of built it off from that, and we started off really kind of doing uh, kind of an encyclopedic um, an encyclopedic um, episodes about what a camera is. You know, okay, so the body needs uh, transport; it needs a method of mounting um, the film; it needs a method of mounting a lens. You know, that type of thing. So we kind of separated out the the different parts of the camera and we did an episode on each one. And then we got to the end of that and we started doing episodes on how to build them and, and um, episodes on, um, uh, yeah, I got a 3d printer somewhere in that range. Uh, I got access to one. I didn't buy one. I, I, I had access to one. And so I started doing that um, and, uh, and started building uh, a bunch of different cameras via plastic and um, and Nick, all the all the while, he's a he's an incredible artist. Um, he does um, public art in the Seattle, you know, the Washington Seattle area, um, and he uh, and he does metalwork. He's a blacksmith essentially, and makes uh, metal gates. And uh, um, he's he's doing one for the Paul Allen Foundation right now. That's just. It, I, I think of it as a bird cage. It's it, but it's like uh, I don't know, twenty feet tall and eighteen feet in diameter, and it's round. Um, so anyway, um, he does he does that all that metal work. So he has all this knowledge of handling materials. And um, as he said one time to, uh, in response to one of my my camera builds, he says, you know, you've got some great ideas, but you're a horrible craftsman. <laughs> and, uh, and so, and so, you know, I would, uh, you know, uh, I, I'd rebuild them and rebuild them and I'm not any better craftsman today. Um, but I, I'm very enthusiastic with my sloppiness. So, <laughs> so, so I started building those and we, and so we, we built the, uh, the podcast around that, which is here's, here's what I kind of figure, uh, about our audience. If you take, 7 billion people on the planet. You take the 1% of the population who's like enthusiastic about photography. And then you take the 1% of those people who are interested in building their own. And then you take the 1% of those people who listen to podcasts. And then the 1% of those people who have actually heard of us. And then, I don't know, the 40% of the population who meet all that criteria and also speak English. Um, <laughs> I, I think if you do the math, that's seven people on the planet. Yeah. Yeah, I think. That, yeah. But also, I, I love the fact that you're going, you know, the one percent of the people who are, are into photography, and then the one percent of those people who are into making their own. Like, oh, that seems that seems very optimistic. I think you missed a couple of zeros after the decimal point right. on that one. So the, the good news, though, you, the, good, the good news, Graham, is that your your audience will be very highly engaged. <laughs> and they are, and and they absolutely are. Um, uh, we have, uh, you know, there are, in fact, actually, here's, here's the thing is, you know, to a certain extent, I'm, 
a bit of a public voice for the community of of builders. And we get people who come along and either they're incredible woodworkers and they make these these beautiful things out of wood, like um, the parrot cam. Um, uh, if you if you look up parrot cam, uh, these I mean these incredible amazing things out of wood that are pinhole cameras in that case uh or you take dora goodman who makes these in incredible uh they're they're essentially sandwiches where she's got a lens on one end a spacer in the middle and then a film back on the back and they're just beautiful cameras and you know all these people who are who technically are you know completely above what my ability is and uh and no you know i mean well, you, you guys had ethan from camera dactyl on um he has been doing this for so much longer than i have uh you know he's a huge resource so it, it, my point on that is is even though we're doing this podcast there are people out there who you would never come across um, if it weren't for this kind of community that we have, you know, uh, right now that community's centered on Instagram more than it is on Flickr. Um, and it's centered kind of around these podcasts. Uh, but there are people out there building cameras all the time that are exceptional. Um, and one of my favorites, and he's another Graham, uh, Chicken Thumbs is his name on Instagram. He builds... <laughs> He builds these pinhole cameras out that are boxes. Okay, so they have a pinhole in one end, and they have they're a box. So a box has on the inside six sides, right? So it's got the opposite the lens, and then the four sides around the side, right? And then there's the side that the lens is in. So he takes paper and cuts it so it fits on the five the opposite the lens. And then the four sides around the edge. So he gets these really crazy anamorphic-like shapes coming down the sides of these images. And then a flat image across the bottom. And they, they are on pluses. So, or or he'll, he'll turn it on its side so it's an X shape. And these are just, I mean, who, who thinks of that, right? Um, and what I love is with the homemade camera podcast and this community, there are tons of people who are thinking about crazy stuff like that. And, uh, you know, hopefully we're a bit of, uh, a, an outlet or a source to, uh, to put that, all that stuff through. So. And breathe. <laughs> <laughs> So you've got some enthusiasm for homemade yes. um, camera work, obviously. And I, I just want to say very quickly before we move on, I just Googled Parrot Cam. Uh, they are beautiful cameras, but listeners, be prepared to be very disappointed when you do not see a camera in the shape of a parrot, because I certainly was. I feel oh. really quite lied to and let down, but they are beautiful cameras. Um, I want to talk, um, uh, and force aid also, <laughs> to talk <laughs> a lot more about this homemade camera stuff later. Um but um, I thought we'd start off, relatively using that term, start off, um, to talking about the new podcast you set up, um, because it, it's such an obvious idea for a podcast and such a good and important idea for a podcast to be out there. That as I've heard a few people say, it's amazing it hasn't been thought of before. But um, what what was it that prompted you 
to start this educational podcast aimed at people who are just getting into film photography. Okay, yeah. Um, when I came back to film photography, I was away like most of us were. Um, I came back in 2013, uh, I think it was just before Christmas 2013 and I was on eBay looking for something or as an eBay killing time. And I saw a Maya RB 67 and I looked at that and with a lens, it was $150. Now back in the eighties, when I was the uh, super geeky photography kid who had no money, I looked at that camera as like, you know, that's it. That's it. I If I can get that camera, then everything will be solved. I'll, I'll be absolutely wonderful uh, uh, photographer and I'll never need another camera. And so I, I bought it for 150 bucks because it was a $3,000 camera, you know, 15 years earlier. And um, I hated the camera, but, um, you know, as, as that happens. But I started looking around for resources. Uh, I first sent my film off and it was, you know, it was $20 a roll. And um, one of the things, if you've ever used an RB67, it's kind of like, uh, it has a dark slide that, you know, sits between the film and the body of the camera. And if you fail to remove that, you end up shooting a blank frame and, you know, or multiple blank frames. And it was costing me 20 bucks to, to have that developed and, and processed. So I started looking around and I ended up finding the film photography podcast. And I started listening and, you know, going back through the shows. And there was an episode where Leslie talked about developing film. Now, in the meantime, I had gotten some developer, I'd gotten some Xtall developer, and I mixed it up, used it once, and then dumped it. And I had completely forgotten in the 20 years since I had my own darkroom and, uh, and developed my own film, I completely forgotten that you can reuse developer. And so... First off, she saved me a ton of money just by a one-off comment. And I thought, you know, it, it and it was like two or three months of me using Xtall as a one-shot developer rather than as a as a stock developer. And that it, it and it just hadn't, you know, it was stuff that didn't jar in my brain until somebody said it. So um, even though I had done this for for a long time in the in the 80s, mostly in the 80s. And um, so I felt like there needed to be a resource for that level of communication. Um, and FBP does a great job of doing basic information. Like they'll talk about, you know, Leslie's great. You know, she does the doctor is in thing where she diagnoses a problem that somebody has. Right. OK, so that was was exceptionally helpful as I got back into film. But it's spotty. You know, you can go, uh, you know, I could go a month and a half without hearing any of the 
the little tips that I needed. So I decided we needed that resource. And I, I love podcasts. Um, I love doing podcasts. Uh, I love the whole concept of a podcast. So I decided to do it as a podcast. Now, it could have been a website. It could have been a YouTube channel. It could have been a, a bunch of things. But uh, I decided it needed to be a podcast. And it needed to be about a 30-minute podcast for a commute. Um, or a lunch break, um, uh, it, that that type of thing. So I started breaking up the information that I knew, and I started recording this podcast and with the idea that I will reach the end at some point. Like I will cover everything that I need to cover, but it won't be encyclopedic. Um, it will be survey, you know, it'll be a high level survey. So uh, I started off with, um, uh, you know, uh, welcome to, you know, st a start here episode, what it's, what the, what the podcast is all about. And then I went through and I talked about, okay, buying your first SLR. Um, and I, that ended up being a four episode series. And some of those episodes I had to break into two parts because you know once again 30 minutes 30 minutes is a is a, is a good time so uh you know so you know like right now i this morning i recorded an hour and a half on range finders and so that's going to be three episodes and i have half of the range finders yet to go <laughs> so okay that that so, brings me to my first question okay so how uh -huh, do you sure. so you're aiming this at somebody who is coming in, maybe they have never shot film before in their life. You know, they just go, okay, right. I'm, let, let's say they're, you know, 15, 16 year old at school. Um, they've done a bit of photography and they want to have a go shooting film and, or maybe they've just been given their first camera or um, they bought something from mammography or whatever it is. And they're looking for a resource. I don't know why I'm suggesting 15 and 16 year old. Cause I can't imagine many of those are listening to podcasts anyway, <laughs> but let's imagine. Um, especially given the fact that over the last um, year with the homemade camera podcast, you've been making a very encyclopedic approach podcast. We've uh -huh. been trying to get as much information in as possible. It's very dense. Um, podcast how do you tackle isolating and, and 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 planning out the easiest route for it for people who okay are not because there's so when you like when you stop and think about it for any length of time everything is alien every, if you haven't been swimming in these waters before then all unfamiliar every single term everything is so how do you stop that from becoming completely overwhelming um i i don't it is completely overwhelming that's part <laughs> that's of it that's good the answer. reason why they end up so long. i i, I um, like that answer because even even you know just putting a roll of film in a camera can be scary when you don't know what you're doing oh, what a great episode hang on a second <laughs> i need to make a note of that you... that's the kind of thing no seriously that's the kind of thing um that i i i want to do i want to do that and i i will definitely do that episode um and you know part of the deal you know i just said you know it's going to be six hours on rangefinders i don't expect anybody to listen to all of my episodes 
what I expect people to do is go through and say, oh, I want to buy an SLR because I remember when I was a kid, my dad had an SLR. Um, so then you go to the SLR episodes and listen through those. And it, I mean, I go, uh, I'm re constantly repeating the difference between a focal plane shutter and a um, and a leaf shutter and what the advantages are and what the disadvantages are. And just, and, just to clarify in my head, this is aimed at beginners, right? This, this is this, aimed at beginners. This is your beginner when we are talking about here. Right, okay, good. Right, right. And can, and can you just explain to me what the difference between a focal plane shutter and a leaf plane shutter is? <laughs> Seriously, yeah, sure, absolutely. So a focal plane shutter is a shutter that moves horizontally or vertically at the right in front of the film. And the advantage of it is because we have a rectangle that we're taking, you know, the, the film gate, the opening for the film is a rectangle. A rectangle moving across that space will give you even exposure across that entire, uh, that entire frame. But if you, uh, if, so the, the opposite of that is a leaf shutter that sits either inside of a lens or right behind a lens. And it starts as a uh, it starts closed and then it opens up from a very small circle into a big circle and then back down to a small or well closed, you know, back down through circles. Well, that gives you an uneven amount of exposure across that square film, that rectangle of film. So the edges, you'll get more vignetting across the edges in that situation. Um, vignetting, of course, can also happen from lenses and stuff like that. But the, but that's, you know, people, I think, need to know that um, if, you know, if they're going to make the decision about a, a camera. That, that's it, that, that is interesting, actually, because that is, you know, uh, I, I, I'm not sure that I could have. I, in fact, I know damn well I could not have described that as concisely and as clearly as you just as you just have. I could tell you the impact it makes on flash sync speeds quite easily, but that's, oh, yeah, absolutely. But, but but less less so um, uh, and uh, on on the the whys and wherefores. Um, I, but but you know, I I think definitely you should do a show about how to or a series of shows about how to load cameras um especially Absolutely. especially medium format cameras with removable backs where you actually have to make sure that you put the roller in the right way round right. <laughs> otherwise you expose I've a whole a whole roll of backing paper <laughs> <laughs> I've absolutely done that with an RV67. Um, yeah, um, the you know uh, one of the other things uh, that, that this podcast has a model of is that I'm going to do all of these canned shows, all of these shows that are about a specific subject and work in series, and you can work through them in order or you can skip around as you want. But then every month I'm going to do a show where I answer questions. And so I have a form on my website. It's the get started with film photography.com website. Um, it's actually get started with film.com. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Um, and on that website, I have a form and just ask a question. And I got a question um, from uh, one of the mats out there. And I <laughs> want to make sure it's the right mat. It uh, wasn't. They, they, they tend to be Matt fairly Rock. interchangeable. <laughs> I don't think it was Matt. Jo it might have been Matt Jones. Anyway, one of the Matts uh, who was out there 
who who asked the question. I have a friend who has a simple use camera. Uh, she's about halfway through her first role. She wants to know what she needs to do next. And it was just like, oh. Shoot the other half? Oh. Shoot the other half. Right. <laughs> Once it's shot, what does she do? So I went through the whole thing of developing, you know, so uh, or, or the whole thing of sending it off to be developed. So think about if you send something off to be developed, you have the option of getting your negatives back or having those negatives discarded. You're going to the base price. If you go online to one of those, the base price is for the film developing. Then you pay for the level of scanning and or the price of prints and or if it's cross-processed or any specialty thing or it's film that's other than 35 millimeter um, C41 process. Yeah, black and white so cost there, yep. Right, right. So there are all of those options. And I, you know, so I sat down and I thought, you know, I went to a couple of websites and I looked at what what they needed, you know, in information. And so I did a did an answer on that, did about 15 minutes of an answer on uh, on how to now maybe it wasn't even that long, uh, but it, but you know here are your options. Here's what those options mean. You know you've got three different levels of scanning. Oh, super's great, but it costs twenty dollars a you know uh, a frame. You know or or normal is good enough, right? You know and then I talked about um, you know what what are you going to do with that scan if you're going to put it on Instagram? Basic scan is perfectly fine. Um, if you're going to put it, if you're going to then send it off to be printed, um, you know, by one of the national printers, then it's, you know, as in, you know, 14 by 20 or something like that, then you need that super scan, right? Um, so that type of thing, that's a really basic question that we take for granted once we're inside the hobby right um so uh, so i you know that's the perfect perfect example uh loading film <laughs> what a great what a great question because i mean think about if you've ever worked with a leica or a leica like body where you're going through the bottom of it you know seriously seriously this is this is what those Germans did to us, you know, of loading, <laughs> loading, loading film through the bottom. You, you should, you should take that up with Chris next time. What yeah, is the future? I, just, just, I was just about to say that there goes, there goes your audition tape for the future of photography. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> oh like... no. Oh no. Well, but then they, they also gave us the Leica in the first place and Zeiss glass and all that type of stuff. Right, Chris. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, you know, it, it, I, I want it, I, you know, sometimes I think I start a little bit too far into the game. Um, and I, any question that's, I mean, simply basic, I mean, you know, uh, yeah, let's ask it, let's answer it. Let's, um, let's get more people involved in what we do. Um, and, you know, one of the things I, I'm going to say, one of the things I love about our community, and we've got a great community around these podcasts and around like 35MMC and Emulsive.org, and we've got this really great, and it's a worldwide community, and, you know, Gutterman talks about it all the time, stay positive and shoot film photos, right? Well, sometimes we have to do a little bit of policing in that, but we've got a 
positive community, right? We don't generally, I hope, if if I'm talking about those groups, we don't have the people who say, ah, just Google it. Or we don't have the thing of, really, if you don't know that, you shouldn't be in the hobby. You know, where many other communities around our hobby and many communities around other hobbies do have that idea. And so I just want to get a little bit more access, uh, a little bit quicker. Uh, um, what am I trying to say? Uh, I want to have a little bit easier of an access point. Um, and then once they've listened to mine for a while, then they're off doing, you know, uh, listening to other podcasts or, or reading 35 MMC and, you know, doing their own, uh, what is it? Uh, five shots with, um, uh, blogs. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not saying we need more people in, but I think we need more people in because we need to keep there. There are two, three companies right now. We desperately need to keep alive. And that is Ilford Kodak and, um, Sorry, uh, Haribo, FOMA. <laughs> FOMA. What were you? What were you going to say? Um, Haribo. But... <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> yes, absolutely. We do need gummies. Uh, I'll say that, um, unless I misunderstood what you said. But uh, nope. it's... yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so we need those companies supported, and we need to support Fuji because uh, I, I mean, even if they. I mean, they've got some, I'm looking at a little three pack of Fuji, you know, superior, Fuji Chrome, superior, superior X 400 extra, whatever it is, um, that I got at, uh, you know, one of my uh, drugstores. Um, it, you know, it was, it was sitting there, um, uh, you know, next to the, all the digital stuff. Right. And so we need to we need to support that. But we the way we need to support that is we need to get more people in buying. And, um, you know, and I, I love Eric's work, but I and I love the idea of uh, of shooting um, expired film the way he does. But I, I want to get more people buying new films so we don't lose the film. Um, that, that, that is super important we had a show a few weeks back we were talking to bellamy hunt and and yeah that a, a lot of the, uh, uh and i think we've done this with others as well haven't we graham is it, it it's it has to be it, it has to be economically viable right otherwise it's right. otherwise one day it's all going to stop yeah to, right exactly to a, to a certain extent i mean it, it, you support the thing you want to continue and and you have to support those things in the way that they need to be supported to, for films to continue you, i mean that means buying their stuff and yeah i think we've I mean, said I, i'm sure we've said in the past but even if even if you are like you like shooting expired film just keep occasionally buying new film um and, and you know, leave it for forever if you need to so it then becomes expired pre, but... you could buy pre-expired film couldn't you <laughs> perfect you <laughs> oh can my... leave it in your car all summer and that will make it expired film even if it's in it's it's fresh oh, there's, day, a right? new, there's a new market opportunity uh, right there so, pre-expired yeah i think that's a great idea right oh my god this is going to be our million dollar plan um i've got a question for both of you um on on this subject of coming into photography like what when you look back can you think of the piece of information that you like 
you most wish you'd had? What, what bits of information did you come to later that you wish you'd had earlier that would have made a difference? Because I think there's, you know, I mean, you were saying, Graham, about the fact that you were single using um, Xtol or whatever it was, um, and then realized, oh, no, I, I could have been using this. What? And, and then I'm sure, I'm sure you do think about this with the podcast. What is it that you wish you'd known sooner or or, may, or maybe still would like to know with regards <laughs> to film photography? That's a really interesting question. Let, 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 let me let me say something yeah. inconsequential for a short oh, while no. while we think of, <laughs> while we think about a proper answer. <laughs> Go on, what's your oh, inconsequential my. statement? No, that was my inconsequential statement. <laughs> <laughs> Look over there, something shiny. <laughs> Squirrel. Um, oh, what about, what so, about you, Graham? Have that... you got an answer for this off the top of your head? What's that? I I, uh, I was I was talking. I think I got disconnected there. Uh, I think all my... talked over. All talked over. Yeah. So, sorry, I shouldn't talk over. The, talk over our guest, should I? What were you saying, Graham? No, uh, it, yeah, I was just I was just refuting what Eric had to say. Did you hear that? Oh no, no sorry, that. we didn't know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, um, my little internet just disconnected and reconnected, so I, I apologize for that. Um, what I was saying was, I, I love what Eric does visually, but I need to rebut what he said last week which was that Disintegration was the Cure's best album. And that obviously <laughs> pornography. Pornography is the Cure's best album, even though Disintegration does have Prayers for Rain, which is their best song. So I just wanted to settle that. So he's wrong for shooting expired film, and he's wrong on the... <laughs> okay, well, that, so that's cleared that up. Um, Eric um, yes. can, uh, Eric can come on back, back on next week. And, uh, we can... That's right. And I would just like to say, for the record, that I have never listened to any Cure record, oh, <laughs> and I'm better you're for You're it. missing out. You're missing out. So, yes. okay. So, all right. There we go. There, there, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of filler while we were both while we were all you know thinking rapidly about about our answer. I think with me, oh, although this what? is a personality trait of mine, I think one of the things uh, that took me a while was to 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 get confident with. Uh, less technical cameras say like so, so you know toy cameras or or just um just uh older cameras you know uh my holgers or or whatever and i think uh the because possibly because all of this stuff actually costs real money every time you take a photo possibly i felt um i i struggled to let go and just embrace it all and see what happened and i think the thing that one of the things that w was great for me was when I loosened up a little bit and yes. I started I started actually just not worrying about stuff too much. Uh, you know, that 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 was um, that was something I think, you know, that, that I I needed to learn. I know that's not so much a technical thing. That's more a sort of practitioner kind of thing. Um, but that definitely is something that helped me when I loosened up a bit yeah yeah just being uh just that noise that actually you don't have to it doesn't have to be precise and um that you can just go with the flow of it what about you graham i uh i think i actually missed the question when i was off the internet what was the uh, um yeah it, my the question was like bearing in mind what you've been doing what was the yeah. first what what do you wish you had known earlier especially i mean okay. I suppose it was, but with, with regards to film photography what 
what do you look back on and think God, i wish i'd known that sooner rather than later it would have been it would have you know yeah well, i think i think three quarters of my knowledge base i wish i would have known earlier um there are a couple of things um i i wish i had known earlier that the image is more important than the camera um i think that um I uh, I wish I knew a little bit earlier that a good picture will be a good picture no matter what camera, film, or digital, or phone it is captured on. Um, uh, I, I wish I had a basis for critiquing my own work that was um was reasonable let me say it was reasonable and um and you know i came about all of those things but you know uh, uh technical aspects of it um uh yeah i i can't think of uh specifically you know i mean other than you know all of those things that we stumbled across um i i think is you know are very important um the you know uh, Graham, you're shooting four by five now, right? Yes. Okay. So how do you get a four by five neg negative digitized? What do you do for that? Uh, well, so to begin with, I was doing it. Um, I think you, I have got not exactly the same scanner as you, but I have the same family of scanners and you in the same kind of vintage yeah. i have a, a, a flatbed epson v500 which is a scanner yeah. with a narrow strip um and so when i was doing it with that i was scanning one half then scanning the other without any sort of mask or uh, careful preparation <laughs> and then trying to glue them together um and it was right. all quite unsatisfactory most recently um I just threw the negatives on a, a tablet, uh, and grabbed my digital camera and tried to hold it as still as possible because I couldn't be bothered to find the tripod. I suppose what I'm saying in short is I haven't really nailed down the proficient <laughs> way of doing it yet. Um, well, but... yeah, and and just this last week, um, a user on Instagram, uh, Fatigue, at F-U-T-T-I-G-U-E, I believe is his name, he he had in his he had been shooting some four by five, and he had the same problem with the scanner. You know, a one twenty strip of light down the middle, and he's trying to do a four by five. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he show and in the story that he did on Instagram, it shows him lugging a light box onto the top of the scanner, and I went, oh. I could do that, right? Um, and so I started playing around and and sure enough, it works. You know, and it's just by somebody's little experiment. It didn't work for him because he had the, he didn't have an LED tablet. He had a, a, a light box with, with fluorescent lights going through it. Mm -hmm. And so now we can do just a, an LED tablet, which is seriously $20 on Amazon. Um, and you put that on the scanner bed and scan it as reflective and invert it. And you've got a four by five scan for on a $180 scanner versus 
an $800 scanner. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, those types of things, those are always going uh, there. I hope I have a lifetime of those types of discoveries because they are just, you know, that little like one off kind of um, somebody showing their idiot attempt at this. That's genius. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? So um, there are lots of things that we've learned that are like that, that you just get as a comment. Um, let me, um, the guy who gave you guys some prints at the Manchester show, I'm trying to think, Dale Willits? Is that yes. the guy who did that? Yeah. He it was Birmingham, was, not Manchester. Just Oh, Birmingham. Come close close enough. It's close mid- enough. It's it's the Midlands. It's all kind of mushy. It's it all kind the, of oh, together. we're going to get letters. We're, listeners, okay. we know it's not the Midlands, don't okay. we? Know the so, yes. no, it's Midlands. okay. It's it's the Midlands. It's, it's exactly the and, same as saying that Illinois and Kansas are the same place. Yeah, they are. <laughs> um, it's it's all it's all corn. It goes from <laughs> Ohio, uh, Ohio out to Kansas until, uh, but it doesn't quite get into Colorado. So that's all corn. Now, uh, let me express my bona fides. Um, uh, my dad grew up in a village in Rutland. I'll put it that way, um, even though it's no longer Rutland. I was going to say Rutland, um, Rutland doesn't exist anymore, at least officially. Right. But I know what you mean. Yeah. Right. So if you know the, where the Rutland water is, it, he grew up uh, eight miles north of that or something like that in a little village called Greetham. And um, so he lived there and, you know, I don't know, until he went off to the army. And um, and so I've uh, spent quite a bit of my time in, in, in England, even though, uh, you know, weeks at a time as opposed to, you know, like, oh, yeah, from when I was 14 to when I was 18. So, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, um, I, 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 stepping on toes is OK. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yeah, and it's okay because for large parts of the UK, Birmingham and Manchester are essentially the same place. So, <laughs> sure, sure. For large parts, you mean for Londoners, Birmingham and Manchester are the same place. That's... Anyway, Graham Dale Willis. Yeah. You, you mean the important, um, uh, the important people of England, Londoners? Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> um, oh, okay, yeah. So, so Dale um, took a Holga and figured out how far, in fact, I've got a hold in my hand. Okay, so, uh, and he figured out how far one of those little clicks advanced the film, and he, and he created a mask that was just a slit right down the middle of that film plane. So each one of those clicks is its own little picture. Hmm. So you can now then assemble several of those together um, and and make a picture. And so they don't have to be perfectly lined up. Like he he showed a picture where they weren't things weren't vertically lined up and things were shorter or longer um, than they should be. Or you could have in the middle of a picture of a person, you could have something completely different. Um, and you just have to kind of figure out how where to point that camera. That to me. You know, I mean, we're talking the the scanner thing and the slit in the for the Holga. You know, this is in the last week, and these things are so exciting to me. Um, they're you know, um, 
I, I am by nature uh, and uh, I, uh, a tinkerer, okay? I'm, I, I, you know, we're, we're not having the conversation about the body of work that I put up on Instagram because I don't really have a body of work. I have a bunch of pictures that are individual and I love them for being individual, but I don't do a series of work um, for a bunch of reasons. But one of the reasons is, is that allows me to grab my, uh, I just bought an 18 millimeter lens for, that's a Minolta MD mount. And so now I'm exploring what those wide angle lenses will do. Um, I, you know, there were so many machines, so many cameras made in the last, uh, you know, what, um, since, uh, 1850, let's say that. There are so many cameras made, even though we don't make film cameras anymore, there are so many cameras made that had little quirks that we can explore. Um, there's, uh, you know, there's a lifetime of just uh, exploring, say, rangefinders um, or just Nikon or something along those lines. Um, so those are the things that really are, are exciting to me. And that's part of Part of what the uh, Get Started with Film Photography podcast is all about is finding that entry point. You don't have to enter from every one of those points that I that I'm presenting. You just uh, it, I just want an entry point, one or the other. So yeah. uh, I can to I can totally get that. Do you know what I mean? I know um, I don't have particularly a body of work that I've been building over years or and, and sharing. Certainly not sharing anyway. Um, and and I I do like experimenting. For me, part of the element, part of what photography means to me is not having deadlines and not having constraints yes. and you know and okay i don't make my own you know photographs uh photographs make my own yeah, i do make my own photographs that's a bit of a freudian slip isn't it <laughs> i don't make my don't make my own cameras and in fact actually mm. joe that that is that is um it's interesting because at one level you you and i maybe have some similarities in the way that we approach it in it you know about it about experimenting about playing and about learning uh, and mm-hmm. yet we approach it from very different angles because I'm not one of the reasons I do photography is that I don't have the motor skills to make stuff. Um, and so I couldn't make a painting. I couldn't do a painting. I couldn't build a camera. I can't. You know, I just don't have those skill sets and that experience. Um, but what I can do is I can experiment with image making. And I think there's another thing I'd add to, to yeah. the question about what do I wish I'd learned earlier? And I think I wish maybe some some of the things I've learned over the years about light. Um, uh, and and I don't just mean about you know lighting with with uh, artificial light, although you know in its various forms, mm-hmm. although that is part of it. Um, you know, for me, a, a decade and a bit into this glorious hobby we call photography, at least in my case, it's a hobby. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I see, in in a sense that I've settled at all. I, I I'm trying to learn about light, and and about how to yes. use light and how to manipulate light. Uh, and you know, so it's yeah, the, it, I think I don't know. It's it, I, I I like the idea of it, if it's about experimenting. Yeah, you know, and there are as you say, there are so many different ways to experiment in it. I'm doing it in my way. You're doing it in your way. And and the good news is, is that there's room for everybody. Um, right. You know what I love or I find fascinating. I mean, obviously, you're the host of a podcast all about the the latest 
photo photography related stuff with, with you know the future of um, photography um and yet as graham was just saying with film photography uh, because the technology is much better understood and it's much there um there's sort of a much more democratized ability for people to just continually experiment whereas with you know, with digital stuff you, you can't mess around with that stuff really i mean all right if you're if you're clever you can do software stuff um but you can't mess with the technology unless you're making it um but there's so much you know graham was saying about the just the, the scanning thing this week um there's so many things that as the new technology is bumping up against what's already out there. Um, it, it's a bit like the difference between buying a brand new car and having a, a classic car, I guess. You you can work on the classic car, but you can't on a new car. I, th- um, I, I, I would completely disagree with that, actually. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, because it's so, you know, there are... Um, I mean, so so what are we trying to what are we trying to say here about the difference between between analog and, and digital with digital? There are different ways to capture images the same way as there are with with film photography or, or other you know, alternative processes going right the way back through through history. There are different ways you can you can do that. And actually, um, but uh, and as the same as with with film photography, the uh, there there are en- endless um, post production uh, opportunities that you could pursue. So you know, okay, there's there's, there's fewer chemicals involved, um, but you know, anybody who's got a smartphone has probably got twenty apps that do different fun things at this point in time, and there are some people who make some amazing images in in oh, that yeah. sense. No, so, I, I, so I, 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 I yeah, I I think. Uh, I, I'm not I disagreeing know. with that, but it, it's more the um, not with the image making itself, but more with the technology. It's very difficult. You, you have to have a very specific set of skills, either in software or hardware, to innovate with modern digital technology. Whereas to innovate in and around analog processes. You don't. I mean, as Graham was saying, you know, he's making his stuff, and all right. Sometimes, uh, particularly in the early days, it is a bit kind of slapdash, but you can do that. Um, that's what I meant. Not not so much in terms of what the output side is, but more um, the creation methods. Uh, you know, I, I, yeah. Okay. So so okay. Well, I mean, yes, because a lot of that digital stuff works at the microscopic level, doesn't it? And you need a yeah. lab and a clean room and stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, they're magic you know, boxes. With, yeah, um, but at least you get to do it with the lights on. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> we all love to do it with the lights so, on, eh? Uh, but <laughs> yeah, the, so uh, I I don't know actually, um, because there there are there are artists that specialise in 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 tweaking hardware or breaking hardware or, or glitching hardware and and software to try and make new creations. I think. Um, I it, it's a really interesting question, um, and and I I think. You know, having having two podcasts as I do with with almost at opposite ends of the spectrum where where uh, photography is concerned, sometimes I think there are far more similarities than there are differences. Mm. Yeah, um, I mean, I suppose ultimately I, it's creative people trying to be creative, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think it's yeah. uh, it's it can be the same thing. It's just different skill uh, different skill sets. Um, I remember uh, two thousand. 10-ish, 
Um, there was the Magic Lantern plug-in for Canon cameras that would allow um, any one of those Canon DSLRs to become essentially, you know, a, a movie camera. Yeah, they're, they're um, still going, I think, Magic Lantern. Yeah, they're still working yeah, on that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'm just out of that community. Um, but the, the you know, uh, they're, I mean, with Arduino and... Uh, sensors that you can get. I, I, I just think that there are people out there and I don't know about them who are just playing around making their own digital cameras. Um, uh, and I, you know, I, I think that they're just hacking them on a different level, uh, to do different things, you know? So, um, I mean, it, it, that doesn't interest me. I'm not a programmer. Um, but that doesn't mean that they're not doing, you know, there aren't people out there doing the same thing. Um, uh, you know, I had a, my last digital or my last DSLR, in fact, well, I have another one now cause I have, I teach, uh, digital photography, um, once a semester, but, um, I have, uh, my last DSLR had the filter that sits in front of the sensor removed and replaced with clear glass so that it could see into the infrared and it could see into the ultraviolet. And I would just use, you know, if I wanted to shoot normal visible light, I put a um, an UV IR cutoff filter. Uh, so it would be just visible light. Or I could put a filter that blocked out everything but UV or a filter that blocked out everything but infrared. And, you know, uh, that's hacking, right? That's, um, mm. you know, it's it, it's... You know, it yeah, it turned out to me to be creatively, from my creative point of view, it was a one trick pony. Um, it cost me thousands of dollars, but it's a one trick pony. <laughs> Is it a good uh, trick though? It's all right if it's a good trick. I, you know, I, I think it, I think it was a decent trick. Um, uh, I was in, uh, in the UK in 2013 with that camera, and we went to Stonehenge, and I oh, shot yeah. in at, at Stonehenge, and I thought that that was pretty good. I, I thought that that was, uh, um, I thought that that was an appropriate effect for that setting, just you know, to be different from just you know the visible, uh, typical overcast, spitting yeah. rain, and and, maybe, day. and maybe so, that's where some of the 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 experimentation between digital technology and analog is different because I think you, you know. Um, it, when you think about the cost of doing some of those things because the the digital cameras the electronics are so expensive to start with the cost of experimentation is actually can be fair far higher if you're experimenting with hardware um yeah it's it's a bit different than you know uh just trying to you know um, mix up some instant coffee to use as a developer or something like that you know the cost of entry is a bit higher isn't it or the cost of failure let's say is a bit higher here let me uh, uh you know that's we've been talking a lot about the rising price of used cameras. Well, I was sitting last night in front of the TV and I had my iPad and I was looking at eBay. And last night, uh, five minutes before the end of an auction, there was a K1000 and a Minolta XD11, both with their, you know, 50 millimeter lenses together that were uh, priced at $35 and I bid the minimum. Uh, I was the first bidder 
five minutes before the end because the first picture was a picture of a really crappy, what looked like a crappy gym bag. And, you know, it had the two cameras in there and there were no good pictures of the cameras. But seriously, you can get, I, and uh, I was, somebody sniped it and got it for $36. (laughs) And I think it was like $9 shipping. So for, for 40, you know, for 45 bucks, somebody got a K1000 and an X-Day 11 and, and two lenses. And even if they just, you know, the cameras are crap. They can sell those lenses, right? For for forty five dollars, and you go out and buy a film. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a while before you hit a hundred bucks, right? Yeah. It's you know, it, it the the price of entry is so low unless you come in saying, you know, I want a Leica M seven, um, or I want um. I, I don't know, a, a, plow, a plow being, uh, yeah, Plowball Machina, um, which is a $3,000 camera now. Um, there were only $1,200 when I started tracking, but it's a $3,000 camera now. Um, so, you know, we complain about them, but those deals are there. Yeah. So, right, so given the st- still reasonably, if less so, ubiquitous nature of economical cameras to buy, and I mean, you know, even though they are getting more expensive, Compared to what it costs to get into most hobbies, I think by any stretch, they're still cheap. They're just not yeah. as cheap as they were. Right. Why make your own? Why? <laughs> uh, good question. Yeah. Um, but, okay. So what I'm interested in making in cameras is something that I can't get somewhere else. So um, one of my first builds that were our franken cameras and a franken camera is you know two parts from or multiple parts from different cameras uh what i was doing was i was putting four by five lenses onto um roll film bodies 120 roll film bodies so either six by nine uh, six by six or six four five folding camera from the the 30s 40s 50s and I would pull off that that um, mechanism on the front, and I would get, uh, you know, essentially these incredibly high quality images from this folding camera that may or may not have had a great lens at one point, but now, you know, the lens is shot or the shutter is shot. So I'm I, I started building those, and that was the first thing, and then I started working with the idea of. Hey, we, you know, we've got 24 by 36 millimeters. That's the normal um, 35 millimeter frame is 24 millimeters by 36 millimeters. And then we have the 120 frames, which are 645, 6 by 9, 6 by 6, 6 by 12, 6 by 18. You know, they, they can go on, they can get bigger. But what about, you know, we've got the square image in 120 but we don't have a square image in 35 millimeter unless you want to pay you know five hundred dollars for an old mamaya recorder or something like that that was a square on 35 millimeter so i i designed a pinhole camera that did square on 35 millimeter and it was 
uh, mildly mildly worked the way I wanted to. I, I would love to re-engineer that. And and then I sold I sold and still available for sale, yeah. And still available for sale. Exactly. That's a great yes. sales pitch. Um, it mildly worked yeah. the way. It it, but I have to be realistic about that. I mean, uh, I I liked it. I think it has some good qualities, and I think it has some engineering issues that I need to take care of. Um, so, so that's one of the things. I one of the other cameras that I have in process. I've I've kind of shelved it, but this uh, I did this with a um, with a three D printer, and. Uh, I wanted a camera that would shoot 24 by 24 millimeters, 24 by 36 millimeters, 24 by 48 millimeters. So it's a double pan, double wide panorama and the same size as the X pan, which is 24 by 65. And so I started thinking about how do I shoot that? How do I do that all with one camera? And of course, the advance is the problem. How far is it going to advance each time? So I came up with a sprocketed gear drum that would advance uh, a certain distance in one revolution. So I, I, you know, so this gear drum would have to be interchanged. You, you wouldn't be able to do it on the fly, you know, like take a 24 by 24 and then, uh, or, or take one of the, um, you know, uh, 24 by 36 and, you know, all these other formats. So I, I built, I, I want to build things that we don't currently have. Um, and that's really, uh, what drives me. Um, that's, you know, uh, I, I, you know, there are plenty of cameras out there. Uh, I don't have any, any debate about that, but that doesn't mean, okay, so I'm just looked up and I looked at, uh, Ethan Camerodactyl. Um, he has the OG. Did, did, do either of you have the OG? No, 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 no. Okay. It, so what it is, is it's a four by five point and shoot camera with a, uh, scale focusing, helical on the front and he can make it for he can make it in a bunch of different um uh you know a bunch of different nose cones didn't um on backing paper uh photo dude nz or nz um he has one right what well, isn't yeah, that yeah. It, that's matt matt jones is he matt yes. jones uh, yeah, okay. Joseph. Matthew Joseph. Joseph. Matthew Joseph. Joseph. One of the other ones. Yeah, no, yeah. we were talking about it. Um, Too just many on, Yeah, yeah <laughs> and he really enjoys his. He's um, he's had fun out there with it. Yeah, so so that's there aren't other cameras out there that are like that, um, and so that's what really interests me is doing those cameras that aren't otherwise available, and um, you know it, it's made out of uh, you know three D printed plastic. And if treated well, it'll last 50 years and um, or longer, you know, and the lens that's on it is probably 50 years old. It's on mine. So, um, it, you know, uh, those are the things that interest me. So so I think that that's a, a good question. And I do ask that question a lot of myself. But it's also, you know, I love machines and I have no mechanical ability. But I, you know, I love the idea of figuring out how to work something and how to work it so that it's easy to build 
and it's easy to use. And so, so that's, you know, that's the core uh, of homemade camera. Um, one of the things you've been talking about recently is lumen boxes. Um, yes. They've come up quite frequently and I, I must have missed the point where you explained what a lumen box was because <laughs> I have. Okay. Okay. So, um, and I, you know, this term, um, hmm, I'm going to forget the guy's name. There is a, a guy in Spain who uses that term. And if you go on to Etsy and you type in lumen box, you will find his site. And uh, it's, it's, I'm drawing a blank and it's, uh, and I apologize to you. Um, the, the idea is this, if you expose through a lens, if you expose um, printing paper, uh, you know, black and white printing paper to light for long enough, it will become that, that silver will actually tarnish and turn, turn black without development. It's the same exact same concept that the solar can is based on. Okay. It's just, it, you, if with a lens, you can do it in a much shorter period of time. So if you, um, set up that, um, basically what I do is I cut up pieces of, uh, of photographic paper and put them in the back of a box and I have a lens on the front and I, um, and you know, you go out and you set it out and now the, the person who originated this suggests you wet the paper. So you, you take the, you know, he's out in the sun with this black and white paper. You know, well, he shades it from the sun, but he's out, out in the, in the daylight. And he just dips this paper into the water and puts it in the back of the camera, sets up the camera and takes an exposure for about eight minutes. And then he's got this image without any developing and don't develop it because then, you know, it's, it's been so exposed to light, it'll all turn black. And so you have an image for a period of time. It is not a permanent image. There are some people who I've heard say you can fix it. I fix it and everything disappears. So I'm not sure exactly what's going on with that. And I've tried it with uh, direct positive paper and that just turns pink. So it doesn't work with that. But um, uh, I have several different models. I have a four by five. And then I thought of, you know, what's the most economical but reasonably sized thing. So if you take an eight and a half by 11, not an eight and a half by 11, an eight by 10, and you cut it in half, then you cut it in half, then you cut it in half. And I think you do it one more time. You get 16 pieces. And those 16 pieces are about the size of a 645 negative. Um, so uh, I, I made the camera in the size of that 1 16th of a sheet of 8 by 10. And I put that, oh, uh, okay, it's the same size as an Instax Mini. Um, that's an easier way for, for more people to see, to, to know. So I put that in and I take it out and I expose, uh, I set it up for 15, 20 minutes because I usually do them dry. I, I have not had as much success wet 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, somewhere in there. And depending on how much sunlight's in the day and that image will come through and it is very grainy. It looks, it looks like we're going right back to the beginnings of photography. 
with the image quality. So, um, so that's been something that I've been working on. Now, I that you know, once again, I, I'm you know, I invent none of this. I I glom on to other people's. Um, uh, I got that, in fact, from an episode of the Lensless podcast, and with Monica, can't remember her last name out of Montreal. Um, it wasn't Monty Smith. It was Monica, somebody else. And, uh, you know, I'm horrible with names. So, so that's what a lumen box is. And, um, I sent one to Neil Piper and I'm not, and I sent it to him and I didn't have all the parts. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to send, uh, you know, and I hadn't put it together. I, it was a, a very quick putting the package together and I grabbed the wrong one for Neil Piper. Um, and so I sent him one that was incomplete. Uh, but then I, uh, I sent him the rest. And so I think he's been experimenting with it a little bit. Um, I have not experimented with it from anything other than a technical point of view, trying to figure out what you have to do to get the images. So I, um, my most recent box and I built several of these, with the idea that I will eventually put them up on my Etsy page and sell them. But um, I, I have a lens in it that is the equivalent of about a 1.3, F1.3 lens. Well, what do we know about shooting wide open? Good luck nailing focus. So um, I started creating these stops that sit on the outside of the lens. And, uh, and I then started playing with the idea of, well, a stop doesn't have to be round. You know, an aperture doesn't have to be round. These are what we call a waterhouse stop, a slide-in stop. And they don't have to be round. So I played with a plus. Um, I have an array of nine holes in one of them. Um, I have a cat's eye um, shape. And, and the idea is for people to go out and just experiment with them. Um, so, uh, so that's what I, I've been doing with lumen boxes. Hmm. So, what uh, sounds, do you use? Sounds really interesting. Yeah. So, no, so what do you use for the lenses with those then, Graham? I, uh, there's a place in the U S called, uh, something warehouse surplus shed is what it's called. And they get a lot of optics. And now if I were to buy new optics, brand new uh, optics, I would, uh, end up with, uh, you know, I'd be spending, um, $40 per, per little lens. And it's just a single, uh, positive meniscus lens, uh, which is a, uh, a lens that has a curve on both sides. So it has a convex and concave curve on it. And it's the type of, uh, of lens that they used in box cameras. Um, and so I just bought, I found them on the surplus site and I could get them for about four or five bucks a, a, a copy. And uh, so I ordered 10 and I put together about eight of the 10 boxes for this. Um, and then, you know, I, I ordered, I think, four or five different lenses. And this was the one that worked the best for that. I ordered a triplet that I dropped and now it's a doublet <laughs> so so you know it, it's i'm just experimenting you know with with that type of thing and you know it was a it, it, i i got that from a one-off comment on a podcast 
Um, and a, sl you know, uh, well, it wasn't a one-off comment. It was a little bit more of that. Maybe they talked about it for five minutes. And I thought, wow, that sounds very exciting. So um, there's also, if you do luminography on, say, Instagram or um, or Flickr or someplace, you'll get the people who write with light, you know, open their lenses and and take a flashlight or a glow stick and write with light. But then there are also all of these things that look very grainy, very primitive imagery. And that's the primitive imagery is is uh, is the stuff that that I'm talking about. So so that's um, uh, that's I, what that is. And, yeah. I, and I, do you know what I think in the, in that last 10, 15 minutes or so, I think, you know, there, there, there's a there's a huge amount. You, you've you've glossed over a lot of stuff there. But, you know, there's clearly a huge amount of depth and and uh, uh uh for people to 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 play with um and to enjoy um I mean, we probably should start wrapping up this conversation uh much though i'm still enjoying it um but i thought you know one, yeah. one way to try and wrap it up a bit is to try and blend the two together right so you've got your established podcast you've got your new podcast so the question that's on my mind is is how do we join these two podcasts together so let's say i i am uh Let's say, and 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 this is good because it's my because it's mostly true. Um, I am new to uh, experimenting and building my own cameras, um, uh, and but I'm also maybe new to to film photography. Well, how would how would you say to me? You know, oh, uh, th this is where to start. If if I'm yeah from an experimental kind of view, you're sort of oh. blending the two. Where would you start? You know, you've just been talking mm -hmm. about lumen boxes and other things we've been talking about. Where, where's where's a good place for somebody who doesn't know this stuff yet? So where would our listeners okay. go to who've been ex who've been excited by this stuff but not really tried it themselves yet? Well, they should go to my podcast. <laughs> excellent, that's an excellent choice. I, I, any particular yes. podcast or just all of your podcasts? Um, okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you want to experiment with um, with you know you you have a handle on what film photography is. Um, definitely the homemade camera podcast is, is where you want to, want to look. Uh, we talk about different builds. Um, we, ha you know, um, we're, we don't really do much in the way of interviews. So what we're doing is we're trying to cover information, um, and, uh, you know, cover it as, as concisely as possible and as completely as possible. Like our, our last episode, the one that, uh, comes out the day that we're recording this, um, is all about um, homemade film, you know, uh, putting together, uh, you know, how do you make your own emulsion? Um, how do you how do you do that? And I love that, Graham, you're experimenting with cyanotypes. Uh, that's one of the things I want to experiment with. Put cyanotypes in a lumen box. That sounds great. So um, just look through. We have a we have a title on every one of our episodes. So whatever kind of sounds interesting to you, uh, I would I would jump in. Um, for somebody who is relatively new to um, film photography, the um, uh, Get Started with Film Photography podcast, I have a Get Started or it, actually, sorry, it's a it's a Start Here episode. Um, if you it's not quite the oldest episode, but if you scroll all the way down, it'll be in all caps and it will be start here. And then, um, and then pick and choose what sounds interesting. Um, I did a bunch of episodes on film. 
um, you know, from the basic of what film is all the way through to, um, you, you know, uh, cinema film and expired film and all. And one of the things that, you know, talk about experimentation. One of the things that I love is that we shoot film that we never would have shot in the 1980s because nobody was going to be shooting microfilm in the 1980s. Nobody was going to shoot cinema film in the 1980s. We shot what Kodak and Ilford and FOMA and Agfa and Fuji gave us. I seem to remember mostly what we shot was the one that came with the envelope to get it developed for free. <laughs> right, right. Whatever came back, that's what we shot, yeah, right? Yeah, yes, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's there's loads that I really like the idea. Actually, do you know what I, I I can't off the top of my head think of another podcast that's been been that's been built as a as a set of reference materials in that way. I really like that idea. Yeah. That's that's a really novel approach to podcasting. Uh, so and so fair, hats off to you for taking that approach. That's a, that's a really interesting idea. That's a really, and I, I, and I hope. Oh, I was going to say I hope I I don't think it's found its audience yet. The new people. Um, it's going to have to be word of mouth with those, with those folks, but I'm, I've got a bunch of stuff that I need to do to promote it. So I have one more question before we get out of here. Um, oh no. Are you ready <laughs> to admit that you were uh, wrong, uh, damn wrong and refuting my statement that all scammers should basically be hit with a hammer because you bought you and Nick both went out and bought scammers uh, with the view of you were going to take them and you were going to improve them and you were going to show that they could become good cameras. And um, I've seen zero, none, no evidence of this happening. Uh, care to comment on that? Um, in the United States, we have this legal precedent <laughs> called taking the fifth, um, <laughs> where. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know what it is in the UK, um, but uh, yeah, um, I have found, actually, here's here's what I'll say, honestly. Um, uh, I took one apart and learned a heck of a lot about camera building and camera building on the cheap. And I, I, I'll stand by that. I know that makes you laugh, but I, I'm, I'll, I'll stand by that. Um, I will say that if you have a scamera, shoot it as a scamera. Don't try to make it into something better. Uh, I gave up on that and um, I did not hit it with a hammer, but it is in my local landfill. Um, <laughs> Yay, I, I'll take it. Or, or wherever, since China has quit taking the recycling from the United States, it's probably in my landfill. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but I do have a camera that I continue to use and I'm uh, using it for the cheap shots challenge. So, um uh yeah it's almost a camera it, it is almost a camera i'm looking at the entry you've submitted and um i mean the the, the picture is pleasant enough uh the camera allowed you to capture uh, an image just about so uh... okay and once again ladies and gentlemen we've reached that point in the show um just after we should have finished <laughs> where, where graham starts to insult the guests so yeah I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna draw a line under it there we're gonna call it quits for tonight um well, could but... i could could i then a just to make up could i give graham just a very quick chance just to um uh let people know about the zine that they're doing on the homemade camera project oh, yeah project. Okay. Oh, yes uh, 
Yeah, we we're doing a little fundraiser zine, and the idea is going to it's going to be a PDF that I'm going to sell on Etsy for a couple bucks, nothing more than that. Um, but what we want is pictures of your homemade camera and pictures by your homemade camera, and then a little description of what it's like to shoot. So we're going to have you know a little written portion. We're going to have these images, and um, there are a bunch of different categories. In fact. There is a category called instant camera that is specifically for the Jalubatel. Yeah. So, uh, so I, you know, so if somebody else, please, somebody else, give them competition in that <laughs> in that category. Um, but if you go to homemadecamera.com and look for Zine Form, um, I have a form there that has all of the information that we need and all the categories and all that type of thing. And then just below it is a button to click. You know, you have to submit the form, then you have to go back and you have to click the button to upload the file because if I, oh, excuse me, if I put the upload in the form, I would have had to upgrade to a, a, a higher plugin for for um, WordPress and I wasn't going to do that. So it's two separate things. But uh, the idea is, first of all, let's see what people are doing. Uh, and then number two, a little fundraiser. We don't do the coffee um, thing, although I don't have any problem with that. Um, but we're uh, we're just trying to see the, if this will work, uh, just to cover some of the costs, you know, because it's it's a couple hundred bucks to run um, with the web hosting and the podcast hosting. It's about a couple hundred bucks to run a podcast in a year. Um, and we just want to offset a little bit of that. Um, so, so that's the idea and please be part of the zine. And then, um, uh, the, idea uh, we're going to have a deadline, the end of June, and then the, the zine will be out by the beginning of August. So of this year, 20, 2018, 2019, 2019. <laughs> whatever year it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Excellent. That sounds like yeah. a lot of fun, actually. I like that idea. Um, look, forward, yeah. look forward to, to seeing that. I, I don't know if I, I if I have the, the, the motor skills to make a Karen myself, but, uh, but so, yeah, well, it, it can be, it can be anything. You can modify a camera. You have Holgers, you know, you can shoot I them do, underwater. Do. Yes. I, I have two Holgers sitting on the desk beside me, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can take them out and put them under the water and take a picture and take a picture with your, your Fuji tough camera that you talk about. And and then you can throw the Holgers away, I'm sure, probably. <laughs> yeah. but, but that I'm not sure I want to throw my Holgers away. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you need to tape them with, you know, like good glue or good tape all the way around or something. I don't know. But you, you can, you can, it, it, the simplest modification of a camera all the way up to, um, oh my God, I'm, uh, once again, I'm horrible with names. The guy who's building one, if you, if you're on Flickr, there's a guy building one out of metal and we're seeing each gear that he makes. And it's just, it makes me cry because of how good it is. And, um, yeah, so. Okay. All right. Well, you make sure we've got all of those links and we will make sure they're in the show notes so people can participate. Uh, it's been great having you on the show. Have you had fun? I have had a great time. I, you know, even with the, the internet dropping out there that time, I've had a great time. I hope, uh, I, I hope, that you guys have had a chance to get a word in edgewise. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. we don't. I don't feel hard done by either. It's all right. 
<laughs> I think we've done all right. It's been good to talk. It's been good. To, yeah, it'd be good to talk to you. Okay, well, uh, that being the case, then, Graham, any housekeeping, any other business? No, other than to say, to remind people that we're about halfway through the Cheap Shots Challenge um, at the moment. And so far, Graham's is the first entry we've had for that. So uh, I want to see some more pictures soon. Um, and also, I need I to load up my points. camera and get on with it. Yeah. Um, but no, other than that, I think we're all good, Aid. Okay. All right. Well, in which case, then, um, we have been the Sunny 16 podcast. And uh, you can find us pretty much anywhere on the internet under Sunday 16 podcast. Um, uh, you can send us emails. Um, is that is the best to, for the email is the best way for people to send in their submissions for the uh, Cheap Shots Challenge? Absolutely. The best slash only way to be sure that I will actually see it. OK, so that's Sunday 16 podcast at gmail.com. All the information you can need, though, is on our website, Sunday 16 podcast.com. And uh, we will play you out now uh, with uh, music from Rachel's band, even though she can't be here this week. Uh, their, their, their name is Rocha and you can get their album Promises I Should Have Kept on iTunes, uh, on Spotify, on some other places that sell music. <laughs> Um, I don't even know where people buy music these days. That's really bad, isn't it? Maybe it's an HMV. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, okay, um, uh, let's stop there, shall we, before I make an even more mess of the end of this show. Um, it has been an honour and a privilege to talk to you all. Uh, we will be back next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.